Hello and welcome to Communities Forward. I'm your host, Terrell Carter. Communities Forward seeks to share the stories and experiences of people who are making a positive impact within their communities and neighborhoods, especially in the St. Louis metropolitan area. The Communities Forward podcast is brought to you by RISE Community Development. You can learn more about RISE and how we participate in the process of helping neighborhoods and communities become healthier and more equitable at www.risestl.org, www.risestl.org. Today's episode is part one of our interview with Michael Woods, the co-founder and executive director of Dream Builders for Equity. Dream Builders for Equity works to develop economically sustainable and socially engaged communities by growing equity for youth, businesses, residents, and real estate, primarily in uh, the city of St. Louis and North St. Louis. Michael is a St. Louis native and a North City resident. He is a certified personal trainer, a published author, an entrepreneur, and a mentor. And he holds a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from Lindenwood University. Michael's passion is in unifying all communities towards creating a better future that is informed by the hopes and needs of those who are often forgotten. And in today's episode, Michael talks about what it was like to grow up in North County and North St. Louis and how his early life experiences in these communities shaped his vision as an author and an entrepreneur. Hope that you enjoy this episode. Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you for being on. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm well, I'm well. Very excited to uh, speak with you. Thanks for being on again. I'm pretty excited about you. For those who live in St. Louis, your name appears and your organization's name appears in a lot of local media, and I don't say that in a negative way, it's obviously a really, really good thing, but excited to have you on so you can tell more of your story and tell more of the story of the organization. But the first thing I usually do with our guests is ask them to tell us about themselves personally, like, who are you? Where are you from? Give us some of your background. Would you mind doing that for us to begin? Yeah, for sure. Um, So I am Michael Woods. I am the president and CEO of Dream Builders for Equity. Um, I am an entrepreneur. Uh, I am somebody that truly believes in the power of ownership and that ownership can uh, create a sense of freedom. And I think freedom is is what ultimately uh, allows us to be happy. So that that is really like my foundation. Um, I've self-published four books and then I've also... um, um, I have a, a small portfolio of investment properties, um, and that's kind of the arm of what you see with Dream Builders is a little bit of little bit of my lived experiences. Um, I am from St. Louis, Missouri. I grew up in Moline Acres uh, in the Riverview Garden School District, uh, and then by the time I was 15, I moved to Wadner Park um, and started to attend the Lutheran North. Um, Went to college at Lindenwood University, um, got my bachelor's degree in psychology. Uh, from there, I then got certified in personal training, um, started a gym or partnered with a gym uh, in around 2018 or something like that, um, and started to lead my personal training business. Um, yeah, just ultimately just finding different avenues to really be my full authentic self and then monetize it. So I love uh, I love writing. I love 
exercising. Um, I, I love homes and decorating and all of those things. So all of the things that I genuinely gravitate to naturally, uh, I found ways to monetize. And then even better, I found ways to share those skills and talents with others to allow them to experience, uh, to experience it as well. So that's kind of my story and background. Thank you. I did not know that about you. I mean, I knew your personal training history and those kind of things. I mean, you're, you're, I say this not trying to be sarcastic. You're a big dude. So that part, <laughs> that partly makes sense, but, but the publishing of four books, I did not know that. So what, what four books did you publish? If you can think of those titles. Yeah, for sure. So I published a book. My first book ever uh, was I Would Never Kill a Black Man. This is um, a book that is extremely dear to me. It's a book of poetry. Um, this is back in like 2010 while I was still in college. Um, I had a lot of experiences growing up, of course, living in Molly Acres, living in Walnut Park. Um, and I was starting to make a change in how I wanted to live and how I wanted to be viewed as a human being. So I started writing and I started writing really about my story and my life, but also about my relationship with God, also about how um, I really wanted to change the community. This is well before Dream Builders, um, and this is well before uh, the murder of, of Mike Brown as well. So in around 2010, uh, 2011, I was really conscious about the fact that there was a lot of killing happening uh, around me and I didn't want to be a part of it and I wanted to let everyone in my circle know like hey this stuff sometimes we're doing this to each other like and I, I wanted to highlight that I would never kill a black man so it can resonate uh, with other black men that like we, we never really we never really name that we never really label or understand like hey we're doing this in some cases to our to ourselves um and then I and then from there I published a book called Voices. Uh, Voices. I was able to uh, identify I think nine other writers, authors, poets to come together to um, to write a book. And it was, the book was titled Voices. It did really well. We had a beautiful sold out book signing. And then from there I wrote a children's book called The uh, Which Is Best Test. And then lastly. Um, I wrote, and that was about, that book was about uh, making great financial decisions when you're a youth, like how to actually make, how to do decision-making. Um, and then the last book I wrote, is called Dark Matter. Um, Dark Matter is extremely important to me. I think it's the best of the books. I mean, I don't know, between that and I'll Never Kill a Black Man, I love them both, but uh, Dark Matter means a lot to me because this was during the time when Dream Builders had started where I started to receive some um, success and all of those things. But I started to also question everything and reimagine everything. And, you know, dark matter is something that no one fully understands. It's really the unknown. And it was me kind of just going back over all of my beliefs and just questioning it all. And then ultimately coming to the conclusion that, you know, I just need to continue to love, like love as much as I can, spread love um, and really lead with that. So like my model is always to outwork everybody and then also outlove everybody. I think both of those things can cure or solve any issue or problem. 
Wow, I did not anticipate hearing that from you. And I don't say that as usual. I don't say that sarcastically. So uh, our listeners know that I, I typically have a prepared list of questions that we start with. And then when someone says something interesting, we will veer off to that interesting thing or down that rabbit hole. We're going to go down a rabbit hole right now. <laughs> what What are some of the things that you reevaluated? What were some of the things that you had to rethink, if you don't mind, if you can be specific? I mean... It's, I probably it's probably will still end up being broad because it, it was everything, you know, like I think naturally we just take the information and run with it immediately. Uh, and I think at a certain level of enlightenment, you give a lot of room for many things to be right and wrong at the same time. So at this stage of my life, I think there is like spectrums of truth. Uh, and this is, will turn into a complete rabbit hole, and I don't, I'm scared to go down this because this is not like um, um, tested theory, but this is just how I live. Um, I, I, I truly believe that most people are coming from a truthful place with any and everything that they're saying. It's just at a spectrum. So like, uh, if I say that it is cold outside, uh, it may be cold to me. You may know the exact degree of temperature that actually is defined as cold. So you may have a different level of understanding and say, hey, this isn't cold based on the science of it. Uh, and I think um, that person who said it was cold was absolutely correct in their belief. But that person who may have a, a, a scientific understanding of what degree is labeled as cold they have a, another spectrum of truth. Uh, and I think that is a little bit of everywhere. And with this understanding, uh, it allows me to be able to listen to every human being, to be able to hear out every thought and at least understand it, even if I don't agree with it. It gives me the ability to have a little bit more compassion, to have a little bit more empathy by giving everyone that grace and credit that, hey, maybe they are understanding it different than me. Uh, so for me, the dark matter, that book is me recognizing that, you know, that all things are potentially possible or true. And at the same time can also be false. So while I am living, like I'm giving a lot of grace and I'm also like not stuck to anything. And I like not being stuck to anything. Again, my biggest KPI I know in life is if I feel free, that I'm probably doing the right thing. Uh, so I'm always looking for that freedom and I'm always looking for that in other people as well. No, I, I appreciate that. It sounds like there's a certain level of security and you and I don't know each other well. I mean, we know each other in passing and we work, you know, we have proof for work, uh, a work relationship, but it sounds, you know, I'm almost 50 years old. I'll be 50 in, in November. And I clearly do not think like I used to when I was 21, 25. Yeah. 30. And in a sense, I think I understand what you're saying, because I try to hold a similar attitude. I may not describe it the same way you did or use the exact language. I do appreciate the fact that you use the word grace. Like my motto, especially at work, is always show grace to someone, show the same grace to people that you would hope to expect oh, yourself man. when you need so it. So important. So important. That is, that literally is my main model that I, one of the main models, you know, the top two or three models that I've it to our team members is like I, I recognize somebody screwed up 
something went wrong, something did not happen the way it's supposed to happen. But guess what? That's going to be you. You're going to be the one causing that hiccup, yeah. that hold up next time. So yeah, yeah. Hold, hold. You know, hold this anger or this frustration lightly because you know you want you're going to want somebody to treat you in a professional, you know, grace filled manner as well. And again, I back to my first point is I, it sounds like a certain level of maturity that you either are achieving or trying to work towards. So, uh, oh, I, I I appreciate that, and I hope our uh, listeners appreciate that as well. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and especially, and so I, I, I try not to like talk too much about the fact that we are black men because we have our guests, you know, run the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But I also, I wonder how does this, and especially the fact that and we're going to talk about this in a bit, you're leading other young black men now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what does that do? What is having that kind of attitude that you have? What does that show them? And not just young black men, young yeah. people in general. Yeah. But we emphasize the fact that you are leading young black men. Yeah. Um, what does that do for your leadership style with them or some of the traits that you're able to show them or to teach them? Thank you for listening in to Communities Forward. You can find more episodes on your preferred podcast platform between Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, or Spotify. You can learn more about Rise Community Development, a nonprofit organization working to connect communities with local institutions and to empower the revitalization of neighborhoods in Greater St. Louis at risesdl.org. You can follow and support Rise on social media at Rise on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. You can also find us at RiseSTL on Twitter and Rise Community Development on Instagram. You can also check out our Young Professionals Board, who engages in collaborative, project-based work and resource development to advance community revitalization in St. Louis. We also have a YP Board, and you can find them at RiseSTLYP Board on Facebook, Rise Young Professionals on Instagram, and RiseSTLYP on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, we can have a whole, we can do the whole podcast on grace, man. I'm not going to lie to you. That's, it's so, uh, I mean, I think that's the most important, it's the most important piece, man. You, it, it defines, you know, like the golden rule of like treating people the way you want to be treated. And, 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 I, and I know we all are hoping for grace. We're all hoping for that, whether we are hoping in a subconscious way or a conscious way, but grace is important. So when I'm, when I'm leading I lead with that up front and and even to take it even further like with our with our young people yeah we have young men and young women uh, it's unconditional love and a lot of them sometimes this is their first time experiencing that right so meaning if you do mess up if you do drop the ball if something don't go right and we still show up for you and we still love you and we still encourage you and you're like there's no way they get kicked out of Dream Builders. We have never lost a student. We have never said, "Oh, you you went too far. You said the wrong thing. You did the wrong thing." That that doesn't happen in our org because it's based on unconditional love. And a lot of times, I have young people who test it. They test it because they don't even believe that it's possible. Um, and once they realize that, like, yo, bro, you're 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 not gonna lose this love. Like, I'm not I'm not going anywhere. Not only am I not going anywhere, our whole team is filled with this same passion and love for you. Now they they feel empowered. They feel safe. They feel as if it's okay to make mistakes. 
And you have to have that freedom to make mistakes because that is how you are able to continue to learn and have experiences and be able to ultimately uh, come up with the, the conclusion, like the real answer. So, um, and so many of our counterparts, they have that. They're able to make the mistake and have the parent kind of, you know, protect them and make sure that they can get back up and, and try it again. And I think that's what Dream Builders is for our young people, is that opportunity to like, hey, go out and, and take the risk. Like, be courageous and, and really go for your dream. If you ever have a hiccup along the way, your life isn't over. Like you have a support team, you have a, a group of people who will fight for you, who has your back and who will never throw you away. Um, so that is really the core of dream builders is based in that grace, but it's also based in an unconditional love. It's based in a like, you, you we're going to consistently support you have your back and encourage you we're going to hold you accountable like you can't do crap and then not expect for us to you know put the mirror in front of your face and say hey how could you do better um but while we're giving you that coaching it's all based in hey bro no matter what we got you we're going to always support you we're going to always be here to try to brainstorm and figure out the way forward. Who who modeled that for you? Uh, is this something you had to learn on your own? And again, I'm recognizing that you said that you had to spend intentional time doing this, but did anyone model this for you while you were growing up? Or is there a mentor who did this for you in particular as you have been developing and growing and becoming the man that you are? For sure. So first and foremost, I have amazing parents. So my mother and father, uh, they are you know, two of the greatest to ever do it. Uh, my mother is just a pure saint. Like, so she was the one that had me in church probably way too many days in a row every day, uh, it felt. Um, and then my father was somewhat the opposite. He was very spiritual, but he was more of the entrepreneur, the free spirit. Um, he owned body shops and car lots, car dealerships and uh, and, and, and investment properties. So having them as my base uh, was very helpful. So I got my spiritual side probably from my mom and then I got my entrepreneur side and my risk-taking side from my, from my father. But uh, to answer your question directly, yeah, my father modeled that. So from, you know, birth till 15, I lived with my mom. And then at 15, I moved with my father. Uh, and my father gave me complete autonomy, right? Like he trusted me in a way that I'd never felt before. Uh, and, he, and he had high expectations for me. So the combination of high expectations and then also autonomy and trust gave me this power and belief like hey I want to make him happy like I want like you give me all this freedom you give me all this room to roam I want to make sure I show up and do right uh but I also knew if I ever bumped my head I knew he, he was one call away I knew that he wouldn't let me fall uh and I knew that he wouldn't be disappointed so I used to work with him throughout the summer. I always say that my, my father's body shops used to, was the first dream builders, right? So I would go to the shop. My dad would say, hey, Mike, 
sand off the sand this car down, prep it, tape it, and have it prepared for me to paint. I got to go make a few runs. You should be done with this in three hours. Mind you, he would not show me how to sand the car. He would not show me how to tape the car. This was just here, go edit. Like I would see them in the shop doing it. I kind of understood it. I had my uncles and other employees at the shop that I could like, hey, my dad told me to do this. Like, what should I do? Whatever. But it was more of here, go try. And like, I trust that you will figure it out. Uh, and I would do it. Sometimes I would be just standing in the car, not knowing if it's right or if it's wrong. And I'm just doing it because I know this is what he told me to do. I don't want to let him down, whatever. Uh, he would come back and watch me like have blood on my knuckles from just trying to figure this thing out. And it was almost like a laugh, but he knew in those moments that this was the experience that I needed to be able to now know exactly what not to do and what to do. So when he came back with the actual lesson with the, hey, you did a great job supporting me, encouraging me, and then said, next time you do it a little bit like this, it'll be a little bit easier. Next time you put it here. But that autonomy of me trying it first and him believing that I could figure it out. And then the fact that he was able to then reassure me that, hey, no matter what, you, you won't mess this up. You won't, you won't damage anything. There's enough of us here to make sure that you win. It gave me the confidence that I could do anything and everything and that I needed to first at least start. He was really just trying to get me to never be afraid to start and that the rewards always come from the effort and that the rewards always come from you actually doing the thing and then allowing yourself to be able to be critiqued and to be able to master it later. It's not about having it perfect first time. It's about doing it and then getting that experience and then being able to actually get the feedback to make it right. So are your parents still uh, still alive? Or are you still pretty close yeah. to them then? Yep, yep. I just got a text from my mom uh, <laughs> about, about coming to see her. So I'll go see her today. And then, uh, yeah, me and my father are, are, are best friends. Uh, and I don't laugh because your mom texted you, but I laugh because when mama texts, yes, yeah, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. When daddy texts, it's like, all right, man, I'll get to right. it when mama texts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the middle of it. It's raining outside. And I'm like, man, I got to drive all the way over to the county to go see my mom today or else. Like, I know I know it's a or else at the end of that. So I'm like, <laughs> but I'm excited to see it. Uh, we just we just hung out, um, I think, Friday, last Friday. But now she's, she's, I guess it's the Friday again. So it's time to hang out again. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy it, bro, because I was yeah. raised by my grandparents. Uh, and so my mom was killed when I was seven. This is not to make you feel bad, so don't take it that way. My yeah, point right. is, is that my, my mom was uh, killed when my twin brother and I were seven, and my grandparents uh, essentially were my parents, and mm. uh, my grandma passed away. But when she was alive, she was my everything. She was my yeah. everything. And uh, and I love my grandfather, too, so I don't want to say like I didn't. Yeah. He, ended up, he ended up outliving her by almost 15 years and he passed away just two years ago uh but the same thing like you you know they are the reason that I am the man that I am today and absolutely like, like you I've written multiple books but every single book that I've written is always dedicated to them because they are the ones who taught us this uh and again I keep saying us meaning me and my twin brother they are the ones who taught us this work ethic 
mm. taught us to believe in ourselves, mm -hmm. taught us to be like, like you can dream all you want to please dream, always dream, but make sure that you are also keeping your eyes open when you dream. So Absolutely. you're not missing something that, you know, may come back and bite you. So now I, I appreciate uh, everything you just said. And so go see mama today at some point. <laughs> I, I will, I will, I, or else, man, or else. So I'll right, be over. right. Yeah. Um, so you you go to I'm sorry. There's there is one more thing I want to ask about your upbringing. You mentioned uh, Moline Acres and Walnut Park. Mm -hmm. Is there were there any significant a uh, significant excuse me uh, events or anything that helped to shape you? Uh, and living like I was raised in the Ville, 4240 mm -hmm. West St. Ferdinand, right behind Sumner mm -hmm. High School. And, um, you know, the Ville at that time uh, was a middle class community. Mm -hmm. A lot of people owned their own homes, didn't have high paying jobs, but figured out how to make it work. Um, and that community is no longer what it was. But, um, you know, it still you know, shaped us, you know, in a very formative way. We got up and went to go play basketball at Tandy's every day, or we went swimming at Tandy's every day. And we learned about, you know, hard work in that community. Are there anything significant, um, you know, in your upbringing in Moline Acres or Walnut Park? Yeah, well, absolutely, for sure. So Moline, uh, Moline, that is my childhood like those guys and girls that I grew up with like we're still close I just I, I try to have like little events there where we kind of get all the folks to come back together and and, and kind of fellowship um so Moline is that I remember so I have so many beautiful memories of before social media and before the internet and like riding bikes all day long so I have that um, but then I also have, you know, the Riverview Gardens, like, so being at Riverview my entire time, you know, the school district was unaccredited. So, so much of the foundation of education that I was supposed to get, I was just missing. Like, I, 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 I honestly, and I didn't know it until I moved to Walnut Park and then also um, started attending Luther North. So, from Riverview, I was always considered, you know, somewhat of the, the the smart kid, the athlete. I was kind of spoiled. I have I have two big sisters that uh, were about fifteen years older than me, and you know I was their baby brother, and they were out in college and being super educated and having their first careers and jobs. So they will get me the newest polo, Tommy, all of that. So I was a little bit spoiled, but also considered like uh, 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 one of the, the, the smarter kids. And I had C's and B's, like I just had C's and B's, but because the expectations were so low, uh, you know, I, th that was what was what was deemed as, as thriving. So then I go to Lutheran North, which is a private school. Um, and this is my first time being in school with folks that aren't black, so we got, um, I think it's, it was probably 60, 40 or 50, 50 with black and white at that school. But, um, so that was, that was new. That was like, a that was extremely new, but then also the way that the students approached their education blew me away. So I'm at Lutheran North and I remember the first day of class, 
I'm in the back of the classroom. We were in Mr. Matt class. It was a history class. And um, this kid, Brandon Townsend, sorry for bringing you up, Brandon, but it's, I think it's a good story for Brandon. But um, we're sitting in the back of the class laughing, joking, talking. This is my first day. I'm meeting a new friend. But we completely not paying attention to the class at all or to the teacher at all. Uh, but at the end of the class, Mr. Mack says, hey, everyone, pass up their work. Like we had an assignment, pass up the assignment. I look over at Brandon and I'm like, oh man, bro, we didn't even do the assignment. We tripping, bro, we should have did the assignment. And Brandon was like, nah, bro, I, I did mine. I was like, what you talking about? Like, he had completed the work. And not only completed it, but like Brandon was an honor roll student. And I started to realize that was kind of normal in that space. Like all of these kids were trying to get scholarships. They were trying to, you know, either academically or athletically, they were really thriving and shooting towards their goals and their dreams. And I promise you, I did not know what that was. I did not understand it. I saw that modeled by my sisters. Both of my sisters probably have 10 degrees um, together or maybe even more than that. They're extremely educated. But if my peer group that I was surrounded by, uh, we were we were doing the opposite. And, and Luther and Nora was... Uh, was a was a was a big shock for me. Like that was a big shock for me, which actually worked out really well because of that. I'm also very competitive. And me being competitive, when I'm seeing other people, you know, have straight A's and and being on honor roll, I then wanted to like supersede that. So I made honor roll every every year uh, that I was at Luther North because of that was the environment and that's what was deemed as cool is to be able to to see academically. That is the end of today's episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. Please check back next week and we will have our second part to our interview with Michael Woods. Hope that you have a good weekend and look forward to you tuning in next time. Mm -hmm.